0: This is NRL Boom Rookies.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies alongside me as always. Off the top rope, it's Del Roots.
0: Hello, I'm off the top rope and I'm landing heavily on the canvas and now I have a knee injury. Indeed, and uh, tagging
1: in uh, for Mitch in Women in League rounds, given uh, that uh, she is a woman in league. It's um, Mary Kay from Ladies League, how are you?
2: Hello Matt and Dale, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. I feel like it hasn't been that long since I've done NRL Boom Rookie, so I'm I'm happy that you're having me back.
0: I mean, in comparison, it's been like 0.3% of the time that you were away last time, so I feel like you've served your lengthy suspension and now you just need a bit of match fitness and who knows, you could become a regular bench player.
2: Look, I'm yep. sure I'll say something on the podcast tonight, which will remind you why you don't invite me on that often. But let's see how we go. Well, I
0: mean, well, I mean it would if, be it if... wouldn't be a women in league round without that, would it?
1: <laughs> well, no. Uh, Mitch, Mitch wanted me to tell everyone that he's ideologically opposed to women in rugby league, and that's why he's not here.
0: Yeah. It's the, it's the NRL, mate. It's the National Rugby League, not the <coughs> National Women's Rugby League. Exactly. Um, that comes later in the year.
1: No, but seriously, uh, Mitch is off tonight. Uh, he's not feeling the best, and we wish him all the best and a speedy recovery. So tonight yes. we'll be coming at you with a quick one. Apologies in advance for the audio quality. Uh, we're doing some news and some questions. And then hopefully, if all goes well, we'll have an uh, in-person, all the boys back there on the weekend with much better audio quality coming at you for yeah. next week. So, um First of all, we're going to jump into a few topics. Semi-Ranrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh no, it's Semi-Ranrandra! Radradra's away! Semi-Ranrandra! Oh, this will be interesting. Oh yes, it will, yes. Semi-Ranrandra. He's absolutely buried it! Rantrandra! Okay, so first of all, um, probably the biggest story of the week, this broke maybe a couple of hours before we started recording, but it is that the NRL is on the verge of um, uh, confirming that uh, COVID-19 restrictions will soften and uh, stadiums will be allowed to be 50% uh, full uh, for events from the start of next month. So basically for the entire final series and the grand final, uh, the current threshold, Uh, limits crowds to a 25% capacity with a maximum of 10,000 if the stadium does hold more than 40,000 in total. Uh, However, that could be uh, scrapped completely as well. So we could end up with, um, you know, uh, 50 or so thousand at the grand final, which is what uh, Peter Blandy's outlined as his plan a fair few weeks ago. Um, This mood change would allow for the Panthers to have roughly 8,000 people at their home stadium for their uh, first league of the finals. Uh, And they are expected to knock back the opportunity to have 40,000 at AMZ stadium instead, which is very interesting.
0: It's interesting because like we like, and I know that I don't want to seem like the person who's giving Peter Vlandi's like all the credit in the whole world, but like, man, has he been a Nostradamus on this kind of thing, being like, you know, we're going to have X amount of people at the finals. And, you know, I'm not saying that, obviously there's a, there's a lot of things in the middle that have happened between now and then, uh, between now and then, like, um, you know, New South Wales kept its caseload low. We haven't had many people coming in from overseas with COVID, et cetera, et cetera. But like, it's it's played out really, really well for the NRL. And, and it is interesting that that the Panthers have chosen to hold only 8,000 fans in their small hovel uh, instead of playing at the large hovel that is Aynston Stadium. I, Do-
1: love, I, love, I love that. On, And I will get to you in a minute, Mary, as an Eels fan who will most likely be the away team in that game. I personally love that. I hate the idea... I've always hated the idea of um, smaller teams moving their home finals games to larger stadiums just to accommodate a large um, casual and away fan base. I mean, to me, you earn that right to play at home field. And, of course, it's not going to be as... A, as noticeable an advantage this year as it might have been in previous years. But I, I've always hated that logic. I've always, I have always hated it when the Sharks couldn't play finals at Shark Park. I always said it when Manly didn't play finals at Brookvale. And Mary, I'm sure as an Eels fan, you'd be stoked to see this game move to ANZ Stadium in front of 40,000 people rather than 8,000 in Penrith.
2: Look, selfishly, Matt, sure, absolutely, as an Eels fan, I would like that. But part of that is because I don't want Penrith to have their home ground advantage. You're absolutely right. They are going to finish first on the ladder. They've been the best team for most of the season. And they've earned that right to have as much advantage heading into those finals as possible. But just on the point, Dale, you raised about Peter Volandis, look, say what you like about the man but truly he really has been a leader when it comes to this and earlier in the year when the NRL was talking about coming back a lot of the other sports laughed at him and said that it couldn't be done and we got back in May before all the other sports and the NRL I think has been a real leader in this space and I wouldn't be surprised if we managed to get the thresholds lifted in time for finals.
0: Um, my question to you, Matt, um you mentioned that you're a big fan of seeing smaller teams play finals games at their home ground. Um, did you particularly enjoy watching a smaller team win their home finals game last season? <laughs> <time? laughs>
1: I guess I walked into that, but I you suppose did. I mean
0: like I a mean, man into I a mean, bar. But it
1: wasn't, it wasn't that many years ago that the Raiders did have to move finals games to Sydney, no? like prelims were, were
0: always played at Sydney Football Stadium and on the yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and that, to me, would be absurd as well.
1: But in this case, I mean, and, and there is chat. I mean, but it seems unlikely that um, they will get to that 50,000 goal that they wanted for that grand final by October. But 40,000 is, is very much on the cards, and that's... I mean, that'll be really interesting to see. I mean, it obviously, so much could change between now and then just in terms of coronavirus. I mean, we saw how quickly Victoria sort of sent it back into their second wave of things. But as of right now, it seems like, um, you know, it's not going to be a full stadium, but it is very much going to be a a rocking stadium for the grand final.
0: Unless, of course, it's the Roosters and the Storm again. They're they're talking about, well, yes. Uh, They're talking about there being, what, 50K at this grand final? Yeah, I well, that would mean saying. that like, this would be the gonna, first they're not going to agree to 50k I don't think but they are hoping. No, neither that. do I. But this will be the first time that the uh, the NRL has outseated the AFL at a grand huh. final since the wings <laughs> were at uh wings were right. at a, stadium.
1: The big old since the big old wings at stadium which was exactly which right.
0: was uh what called Far out. was it like Telstra Stadium at that point? Uh
1: yeah, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well would. it was
0: State obviously Stadium Australia but yes. The uh the great yes. the great dome. Speaking Indeed. of great domes yeah. Manly. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was is, wondering what that
2: segue um, was.
0: I was trying. Obviously, really trying. to
1: be fair, I only knew what it was because of the running order, <laughs> not because it made <laughs> any sense. But, Apologies. Um, yes, big, big loss for Manly. A guy who's arguably, not even arguably, I guess, I, I'd say has outplayed them, their other decorated forwards in the team, such as Jake which and Martin for this year. That's Adam Fanoa-Blake, who has been granted permission to leave the Seagulls after indicating a desire to move out of Sydney with his young... Family. So basically, um, the options for him are one of the Queensland clubs or the Warriors, and all indications point to any prospective club wanting a player back in return. Um, obviously, pretty bad news for Manly. Um, he had another two years left on his deal, but, you know, some, some people just, you know, if this is a family decision and they've, they've granted this decision on compassionate grounds, it's difficult to, uh, to, to begrudge all the parties involved for doing that. But yeah, so... Uh, It's very much looking like he'll be at the Warriors or the Cowboys next year. Uh, How do you guys feel about that?
2: I was going to say, Matt, I think you're, you're right that those are the two clubs at the moment because I think the Broncos have ruled out making a play for him given how young their forward pack is and how much money is tied up in that forward pack. I wonder whether this decision has anything to do with the media scrutiny in Sydney, because we know that Adam Finola Blake was involved in an incident earlier this year—a pretty despicable incident—and I really hope that he's had the opportunity to learn from that. But I wonder if that had anything to do
1: with it. Yeah, well, I not mean, even close to the worst incident he's been involved in. But, uh, yes, you're I was right. going to say. Yes, if you think
0: that that's—if you think that that is—if uh, that is scrutiny, let me introduce you to a court of law. Uh, yeah. Uh, and of course, it, it we are referring
1: be, it, to, well, Mary is referring to when he used the ableist slur against referee Grant Atkins uh, over a decision at the end of the game. And of course, we are referring to uh, him having his contract terminated by the Dragons in uh, 2015 after he pled guilty to assaulting his girlfriend. But um, yeah, in terms of a player swap, I mean, I mean if, if like for example, I saw Mitch tweeting about this. I mean, if, if there was a chance that the Warriors somehow gave them back Tohu Harris or something, that's, a, that's an awesome result, mainly given that the player seems like he wants to leave regardless.
0: Yeah, true, and I mean, like, it is—it is interesting. I—I I don't think we'll discuss it in this episode, but um, that, like, he—if if, obviously if he goes to the Warriors at the end of the year, he—he he breaks his manly contract whenever, like, f- they get knocked out at a comp. So let's say the first week of the finals. Um, so he, he gets knocked out. He moves over to New Zealand. He has to go into quarantine, etc. cetera goes over there for, for for the two weeks by himself, and then he moves into the community he's only really going to get like three months or s- four months before he has to start thinking about when he's going to start coming back, back into the bubble. So mm-hmm. it is an interesting concept that like if he, if his family's over here already and obviously he can't be in the bubble, if his kids or his, his, his partner and his kids move over to New Zealand to be with him for those three months, he's going to lose that, that ability to see his children and see his wife um, like in the in the kind of medium to long term, depending obviously when all, where all this COVID kind of stuff goes. But it, it, as you say, I mean if if they were to get somebody like Tohu Harris or like, I don't know, even somebody like I don't know and Isaiah Papaliti, somebody to fill that gap, like that's that to me, if the play if 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 um if, that, if doesn't want to be there then it's better to have a, a mid-range player who's 100% committed to the cause than a, a star who's only 70% there.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And and, and for for all his off-field issues, we, I mean, unfortunately, it is a business and we all know that that doesn't really mean a whole lot to the people who are making football-related um, yeah. clubs. And he, he has been a fantastic player on the field for Manly and that would be a sensational get for anyone, but particularly the Warriors, I think, would do.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, they're, they're due a break. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> like this this, this is this is to call it a shit show would be kind at this point. So,
2: How many breaks do they need to cover for getting Nathan Brown and Phil Gould?
0: <laughs> so like you remember that really, is for you know that really the, old ad? Um yeah. the
1: really old ad where the lady wishes for a never ending packet of, packet of no, <laughs> Yeah. The the Warriors right.
0: need a never ending packet of breaks. Yes. Of that. So would they um, have a never ending packet of Kit Kats then? I guess so. Mm-hmm. I guess you're right. Uh, um, thanks. If Nestle hey, want to get on board, um, fuck you. <laughs> hey, get us up.
2: I love Nestle. No, to- Nestle's
0: terrible. Nestle's bad. I will not hear you a good not, word you, about you Nestle. You do not speak for us, Mary.
1: Um, <laughs> so there was, uh, after it was announced last year that um, a State of Origin game would be played at Adelaide Oval this year, there were obviously concerns a couple of months ago that uh, that would not go ahead thanks to the coronavirus. But uh, the NRL confirmed this week that... Um, the series will kick off in Adelaide uh, on Wednesday, the 4th of November, followed by a second game in Sydney on the 11th, and the third and final game on the 18th at Suncorp Stadium. So, um, the, uh, the series will feature expanded squads, and obviously, with, with bubbles and things like that, it will require um, the players to sort of stay together for a longer period of time. And I guess that's why they wanted to I guess, make sense to have an expanded squad in that regard. But it is nice to have these details uh, locked in with. Um,
0: the uh, first game due to kickoff in about six weeks' time. Hmm. I, you have to say, I mean, this, this has to be, like, this is a big win for South Australia. Like, obviously, they've had all the stuff with having, they, like, Port are doing very little in the AFL, Adelaide suck, which is great. Um, but this really, like, having state of origin in, in, in Adelaide is probably the most interesting thing to happen in that state since, if not the nuclear testing at Maralinga, probably 1836 when Adelaide was founded um like this is this is a big win for them i don't know having having the twilight test is great um but like state of origin is like it's not hyperbole to say it's the biggest show in australia like it is it's, it's, the biggest it's, it's tv not. event not
2: not according um, to shane Wan. no Look, Shane
0: not at can all eat my whole ass with a spoon that's hey, what i'm it. saying
1: um yeah well i mean that that was uh, i mean that is is this, whenever you forget how into the Victorians are. They all pop up to give you a timely reminder. And that shame on tweet, if anyone who's listening to this missed it, he ranked the five biggest sporting events in Australia, all five of which happened to take place in Melbourne, none yeah. of which were state of origin. Um, just, just a frightening lack of self-awareness as always. I mean, the yeah. idea that the highest rating television event of the year, which state of origin is, doesn't even get on the radar in the eyes of Victorians is incredible. And I know that they talk about, oh, it's not played rugby league isn't cared about by the majority of the states, blah, blah, blah. But Queensland alone has a higher population than Tasmania, South Australia and Western Australia combined. So they can all care about AFL, but it doesn't really matter because there's more people in either Queensland or New South Wales who massively care about state of origin.
0: Um, uh, also you're countries. taking we're taking we're taking advice from a man who has a mirror above his bed. So oh, look he does. He does look. That's the problem. That's so
1: creepy. Yes. But I mean, it is. I think it, it is a fantastic get for Adelaide Dale, as you said. I mean, we remain to be seen how many people are actually physically allowed to go. I mean, obviously, we're not going to be seeing a sold-out Adelaide Oval as we may have seen before the pandemic hit. But it, it should be a fantastic, should be a fantastic display for that city. And, as, and I completely agree with you. It's a massive get for them in terms of sport because even those sports that don't, even those states, I'm sorry, that don't really care about rugby league, they get around state of origin, much like people that we know in our lives who don't really care about rugby, get around, State of origin far more than they get around um, the grand final, even. Um, so, very much something to look forward to at the end of that season. Uh, Women's Origin will also be played uh, in between games two and three of that um, of, of the men's series. Um, so, without any further ado, let's get into the questions. Are you serious? <laughs> I hammer have any questions.
0: Alrighty, so it's question time and uh, we'll start over on Patreon if you want to get behind the boys and the lady uh, mm-hmm. this week. You can get, uh, get your support to us at patreon.com slash nrl. Boom rookies and a big shout out but, to. Hey, all before those you people. continue,
1: Dale, I don't, I don't like you implying that Mary's going to see a cent of the Patreon money. Which oh, she sees enough. On her oh, own I
0: don't money. want
2: to send her the Patreon money, but I Good, like it that it's out the it. getting around uh, the lads and the lady for tonight.
0: If you would like to, if you would like to support me personally, uh, please support my only takes. It's just where I yep. post takes accompanied by nude photos. Uh, <laughs> Fans only nudes. for Dale. They're tasteful nudes. Of course, it would be remiss to mention the Patreon without mentioning our top tier supporters over at patreon.com slash where you can get behind the boys as we constantly say uh jack snape thor laycock jace g the og woman in league please don't name me tom hardy Bert andrews jason wayne ritchie Simeon alley ty warwick Ahern, roxanne clark michael murray carlo tyson maddie mcp chris havnell dan Cullinane, and of course the great man himself dave here we go uh so, first off, the first cab off the rank is Frankie. Mary, where do you see Para's season finishing this year and are you happy with the results? Oh, Frankie, what to say. Look,
2: at the start of the year, I didn't think Parramatta was a contender for the premiership. Like, even when all that hype was happening at the start of the year, I genuinely didn't think Parramatta had a chance. Um, I think consistent with other years, there's just something... The, the top teams in the competition have something that Parramatta doesn't have and we can never seem to take that next step up. So, look, I sort of seeing us finishing fourth, I would really like to win a finals game and not be bundled two weeks bundled out after two weeks. Um, I'm pretty happy, to be honest, but I'd really be interested to understand what Parramatta needs to do to take that next step up because we are not Melbourne, we are not the Roosters, we are not the Panthers, and we haven't looked like being a team like that. I can't even remember. Maybe two thousand and one.
0: Two thousand and nine, surely.
2: Well, but well, even no, then.: like two thousand and
0: nine, they they finished eighth
1: and caught fire. I'd say the last time Parramatta were actually truly a team to be sort of feared and respected would have been. I I, I wouldn't go as far back as we say two thousand and five when they absolutely yeah, cut say in that in that against the Cowboys, but
2: that was scarring. Yeah. But yes.
1: Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. I mean, <laughs> but it, you know, it is just a baffling sort of turn of events for Parramatta because, uh, and whilst a lot has gone into their defence, and that's really something they've prided themselves upon, especially when they've played good teams, and especially when they've played other top eight teams. I mean, they held the Panthers to ten points in their first mm. encounter. They held the Knights to four points. They held Melbourne scoreless, which was very, very impressive. But the problems have really sort of presented themselves in the last few weeks, and I don't really know exactly what if there is one thing that you can put your finger on. I mean, it is clear to me that they're not in that top bracket of teams, as you said. I mean, yeah. And I don't even know if I'd favor them in a on a neutral site against either Canberra or South right now.
2: Well, no, Matt, the only teams that I would potentially favor them against would be the teams towards the bottom of the top eight. But Matt, I think you're right in that. Like it's a number of things. I mean, I feel like Blake Ferguson has had some sort of a curse this year on him. I, was I mean, about he's to only say, scored the one two, try. You need
0: two serviceable wingers to win a premiership.
2: Mike Acevo has not looked like the player he was last year and I sort of feel like he struggles playing in the rain. I don't know whether that's a thing. I asked NRL physio and apparently some players do struggle playing in the rain.
1: You needed to ask ask a physiotherapist if the ball being wet made it more difficult to
0: hold Welcome to NRL meteorologist.
2: I, I I don't mean in terms of like catching the ball. I just think. Like his running style looked to be heavily impacted by the rain. He just mm. didn't look like the same player in the rain. It was weird. Yeah. And I don't so think so. Mitch Mike
0: Acevo can't do it on a wet, cold night in Canberra, is what you're saying? Apparently not. Yes. Apparently and not. And
2: Mitch Moses as well. I don't think has looked the same since he came back from his injury.
0: Mm. I agree with that. But the problem,
1: the problems. I mean, I've never thought that. I, I've never been the biggest fan of Moses, and I've never really rated him as one of the best halfbacks in the league. But it's not. There's only so much he can do behind a forward pack that is just getting the shit kicked out of them at the moment. Like I know you said that game was close last week against Penrith, and it might have been close on the scoreboard, but it wasn't close to anyone watching that game. I mean, I mean, Penrith forwards are playing probably better than any other forward pack in the league right now, and they absolutely took the game to Parramatta. I mean, and again, I don't want to be really left in a position where I'm defending Mitch Moses, but there's only so much you can do when you're just hoofing, clearing kicks from your own thirty all night. No,
2: I agree with that, Matt. And and honestly, with that game, like, I didn't think Parramatta was ever going to win it. I think what I was more saying at halftime was that I was surprised that it was only, say, six points yeah. to two. And at that point, like, a team can bounce back from that. I didn't think we were going to win that game, yeah. but it was a lot closer than what I thought. I agree in that Mitch can't do anything, given that our forward pack was just so supremely defeated last week. And it wasn't just our forward pack. Like, if you looked at the metres made by Penrith's backline compared to us, like they was they were way ahead of us. But I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like that's the only time that the forward pack has really been dominated like that. Like, I've been well, fairly been happy go- with our. I think pack it's been an year.
1: ongoing trend in the last few weeks. I mean, they they mm. weren't very good against South either. And no, oh god, I, I mean, no. Yeah. And, and obviously they, they played the bare bones of a Melbourne Storm team the week before that Seattle game. So there's not really that much you can read into there. I don't really know exactly what it is. And I can't really put my finger on it, but the the confidence seems to have sapped from a lot of players in this team. I don't know why. I, 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 I don't want to think that it's just the sort of the pressure getting to them once they were sort of being hyped up as a possible premiership winner. And that's really something that started to, that buzz really started generating itself maybe a month or two ago. I don't really know exactly what to put my finger on in terms of what's going on with Parramatta but right now I can't imagine and, I'm, and you're certainly not saying that with the, with the with the opinions you've just expressed I can't imagine any Parramatta fan feeling confident about their chances to win the comps right now but you know maybe you know we've seen teams sort of limp into finals before and snap out of that bump. Cornell did it in 2016 they were pretty bad in the last few weeks before the finals before they um, got it all back together um, and maybe Parramatta will do that but I just can't say it.
2: Well I don't think I see it either. And to be honest, any Parramatta fan that feels confident about anything is one that I don't really understand or resonate <laughs> with. But I actually see this weekend's game as really important because Parramatta are playing the Broncos. And yeah, sorry, Mitch. I'm, 40. S- <laughs> I'm sorry, Mitch. Um, this is an opportunity to win a game and win a game big. And it is not something we've been doing this year. So even when we were still looking okay, we were still only beating teams by two points, four points, and they were really close and going down to the death. I see this weekend as an opportunity to maybe get our attack moving in the right direction because I was really happy with the defence last week, but yeah. the attack
1: has not well,
2: looked right for weeks.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you in that it's a big game. And not not just that they need to really put away a team that they should be beating, but also the fact that if like, they are in... Serious danger of dropping out of the top four, yeah. which would be disastrous given where they, I mean, right. if, if you if you told someone that the Parramatta were going to miss the top four after that Storm game, I mean, people would have called you crazy. So it's a huge game in more ways than one for them. And I'll be watching that one very closely, which is more than I can say for a
2: lot
0: of these <laughs> like rubber fixtures we're getting over the next two weeks.
2: Thanks, Frankie. Uh, I'm officially scarred after that question.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of scarring, next question. Uh, oh no! To to Mary, but also to everyone. Uh, on a scale of two thousand and one to two thousand and nine, how much does it <laughs> how much does it pain you to see Nathan Cleary playing so well?
2: Um, I'm even going to go like lower than that. So like nineteen ninety eight was my most devastating moment as an Eels fan, and it's like yeah. nineteen ninety eight and two thousand and one together for me. Um, I wish I could change my view. I, I don't know what it is. I just, I was speaking to someone the other day and I was like, I cannot live in a world where Ivan Cleary is a premiership winning coach. So I think I might be moving to an Island at the end of the year. Yeah.
0: Can I, 90, recommend, like, oh, as a, can I recommend New Zealand? I don't have any rugby league a, over
1: there. As a neutral, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think 09, they were sort of playing with house money in a lot of ways. Yeah. And they ran into yeah. a peak salary cap cheating storm team. And gave them a pretty decent game in that grand final. I was like proud I of them that the year. Way, exactly. I mean, obviously, you're always disappointed to lose a grand final, but I don't think anyone really looks back on 2009 so much as a what might have been. Rather, and they, I think they'd rather more, more so, look back on it as a you know they what a ride that was or something like that. Um, whereas 2005 was just inexplicable that prelim, and then 2001. Ugh. I mean, 2001 is bad because they scored so many points and you know, they were expected to win that game. But, you know, we talked about that game with Harry Ramage when we did our Greatest Games podcast about the 2001 Grand Final. And the Knights were no bums that year either. They also scored a squillion points. And yeah. and it wasn't really a heartbreaker for you because that game was over before half time. Like, you knew you you knew you had no chance. Whereas the 98 prelim is just... You know, I mean, people still talk about the Paul Carriage game and everybody knows mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Like, when you've got a game named after... One guy, one guy who you know was wasn't much of a feature in the in in the NRL for a long period of time. Still now, 22 years later, people talking about that game is is not good, and, and it's one that's never really going to go away until Parramatta end up winning a premiership at some point. I, guess hey, I, was, I, mean, was...
0: I mean, in fairness, like I mean, obviously it's not for people of our generation, but like Parramatta were the last team to three Pete. So maybe you used up all your, all your good magic eggs. Well, mate, that's right. story that story, that, that's only going to be a fact for about two, for another six weeks that's, or so. Yeah, six weeks, I know, so crazy.
2: I was at um, three out of four of those games. I wasn't at 1998. But I remember 2005, we were very, very close to the front. And there were these two very, very loud men a couple of rows in front. And I remember them just cheering and cheering for Parramatta. But by the end, they were giving yeah. them the finger. They were yelling at them. It was horrible. And then I went home and listened to Coldplay for three weeks on repeat. But that,
1: it's one of the weirdest games of all time because, obviously, that was McIntyre's system. And mm. people, like, it, it, to put this in, like, So Parramatta finished minor premiers, right? So already like, – and then they absolutely smashed Manly in the first week of the finals. So they got the week off. And then they played a Cowboys team who were running on fumes at that point. They, they lost mm-hmm. by 50 in the first week of the finals but because of the wretched McIntyre system. Despite finishing fifth and getting 50 put on them, they got a second life. Um, they beat the Storm in the second week of the finals. Um, and then, yeah, they... Which, by the way, was a Storm home game in Sydney. So they still have that stupid system in 2005. And then, so Parramatta going into this game as the minor premiers against a team that had finished fifth got absolutely pantsed two weeks ago at the same stadium by the West Tigers and lost 29-0. It's, it's, it's one of the most baffling results of all time. It's
2: been real, guys. I'm going to have to excuse myself now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of baffling, here's one from Carlo Toshan. Mary, the Penrith Panthers season seemed to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. Mm-hmm. Why are they so popular?
2: It's got to be the good looks of Nathan Cleary, doesn't it, and those amazing I mean, tracksuits that he wears to training?
0: It's definitely not his dancing. I'll put it, put it that way. Um, look, look, the Panthers are, Panthers are playing some great footy. I mean, they're exciting
2: to watch. I they hate really saying are. that
0: too, man. I don't, like why? Really I, don't I don't hate saying it at all. I mean, no, I just don't like, I just don't like Penrith. They're such a, such a, I don't know. They're, they're not, they're not the storm because like they don't have that legacy of success. Success. But they're like the, they're the Nouveau Rich, good at rugby <laughs> league team. I guess they've got, like, they've got their, they've got their new points money and uh and the, everybody hates them for nah, it they bought I a flash I, I
1: can't get on board with this this slender has to stop i mean i don't hate teams in the nrl like when teams are playing well i want to see them do well and they're they're awesome man they're, there's not a weak spot on that team from one side of the field to the other every single player on that team has impressed me this year particularly jerome luai who, who is possibly out agreed with that partner, which is, yeah, incredible. How good Nathan Cleary's been as well. That four-pack is no joke. Api Correia is close to, if not the signing of the year. Josh Mansour's good again. Um, but Isaiah Yo. Isaiah Yo's is fantastic. There's just stars across the field, and and they're so good to watch, man. Like this. Yeah, uh, look, uh, you know, Mary's personal feelings for Ivan Cleary aside, uh, they're a treat and uh, I wish them all the best. And surely, surely, like I know you guys want to ham up your hatred of Penrith, but surely you want to see them in competition if it's at the expense of Melbourne or the Roosters.
0: No. No. Wow. (laughs) You are both brain dead. Alrighty. Speaking of brain dead, Andy Seigs asks, Mary, <laughs> after 49 years since Parramatta's last title and with the season being clearly being as good as over, do you ever think you'll see them win a title in your lifetime? Jesus Andy, are honestly... i the new North Sydney. I think it's a good question.
2: Andy, I just want one before I die. I just don't feel like that's too much to ask. Just one. That's all yeah. I ask. I'm not greedy. Just mean, one.
1: In the Fair Deacon Department, like, it's a salary cap
0: sport with 16 teams in it like you'll win one at some point you just how many how many teams have not won a comp since 1990 uh the warriors the titans Titans and the eels yeah that's it
2: Mm. one day this has been a really fun pod guys (laughs) i've been really glad to have
1: you
0: on all the uh, all the Parramatta fans have already boycotted us, so it doesn't really matter. How uh, the, uh, it was that one it. iTunes. It was that one iTunes review four years ago. You know, I listen really every week, guys. Uh, well, Harvey with with the New Zealand Warriors likely adding, adding New Fenua Blake. Will this be enough to carry Nathan Brown's boys as high as thirteenth on the ladder next year, <laughs> or possibly even eleventh?
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he's played a blinder though because if they're shit, he can just use the same roster excuses as last year. I mean, even though yeah. their roster really isn't that bad, I mean, they're going to have if they if they do land Adam Phil Blake and they don't lose Tohu Harris, that's there's going to be some damn good plays in that forward pack. Obviously, Roger tuivasa sheks still there. Um, no, nah, I don't know. Even with him there,
0: I, I'm not picking them to make the finals next year. Uh, Mary, that. Mary, question from Michael Gregson: If you were uh, if you were a a doctor and not a lawyer. Would you transplant Michael Jennings' brain into Wanga Blake's body and just cop cut, cut Brad Takaerangi at the other centre spot?
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to envisage. Like, I'm just imagining, like, Dr Nick Riviera doing that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, oh, yeah, um, I don't know. Look, Brad Takaerangi really frightens me as a player, and my partner Jimmy will find this so funny because he just wants Brad Takaerangi to be Parramatta's 5'8", but he's prone to brain snaps.
0: Much would like all you, the rest
2: of our players,
0: would you take Kenny Edwards back into the sentence <laughs> no, at this point? No, oh, well that no, there is, but, there is there is slander. There is but slander.
2: Dale, Dale, they're not my sort of players. You know that. I want the tireless, you like, want battlers, working. Yeah, I want battlers, which doesn't oh, right. really help us either, does it? No,
0: I mean you've been having battlers since the nineteen eighties, and it's been going great. <laughs> no, I don't uh, have
2: it hasn't.
0: Alrighty, uh, Harvey G, would you like to still describe yourself as Hoy boys? This includes Mary. The hoy boy alliance is not gender exclusionary if you're no longer Hoyboys, boys why
2: may i ask what a hoy boy
1: is said, i thought you said you listened every week mary there was literally an episode named the Hoy boys it's, she it it. she doesn't boy. read. it's we uh, we made an ironic fan club for Tex Hoy at the start of the year because i had literally never heard of him and then within five minutes i decided he was my new favorite player because i wanted to be our Hoyboy. boy um, and yeah, I'll be a Hoy boy to the day I die. I mean, unless he does something really bad off the field. Uh, um, speak, speak,
0: speaking of, if you are still Hoy boys, what is the appropriate punishment for not believing in Tex Hoy? And how successful will he be at Five Eight this weekend? Very successful, extremely successful, or a once-in-a-generation success?
1: Um, anyone who doesn't believe in Tex Hoy gets branded with a Texas Longhorns brand. Oh, you know mm. what I would do? A, a H with horns. Mm. Yep, I like it. Here we go. Um, but yeah, no, Techboy is our guy. We're very excited to see what he can do. Uh, well, freelance here, but in the freelance
0: graphic designer Dale Roots uh, is available for for your new weddings and parties. <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, want Dan, a
2: Dale tonight. To hell, I love it.
0: Someone's got to do it. No one else is. Uh, Dan <laughs> Carlinane, if you were in a season long enough fantasy, sorry, if you were in a season long fantasy fantasy el- elimination league, geez, I have done a Mitch here. Would you conserve some of your budget or blow it all in week one for a bloke who'll, be co- who'll cost a tenth of that price in eight weeks?
1: Uh, this is directed at me. Uh, I spent all of my money on Deshaun Watson. Um, I don't really regret it because my team is in full and if I didn't do it, I'd be out this week. So I stand by it. Uh, if anyone's confused, we're doing this league. Called, it's called a guillotine league. We start with um, 17 people in fantasy NFL and each week the lowest uh, scoring person gets cut and their players released back onto the market, then you have a thousand fake
0: dollars to bid on the players with and I spent all thousand of mine on one player after the first game and I would do it again. My my question is if you spent all of your money, if you had a large amount of money You can pick up guys for zero dollars. But if you had a large amount of money at the start of this Yeah. in a guillotine league, how were you just not killed? <laughs> Good one, Dale. Uh, M, M uh, friend of the pod, M says, what would someone have to say to you to get you to tweet a photo of a statement saying you're trying your best and that people can't come into your home and say mean things about you, a la the cowboys? That was
1: very funny. Um, I don't know. People say mean things to me every day. I just deal with it.
0: I can confirm. To... We do say mean things to him every day and he does just mm. deal with it. To He's be it.
2: fair, um, it is something that I give when I speak, like advice, like about blocking and deleting people. Like I don't invite people in my into my house to say mean things, so I don't let people on my social media that do That's that. That's
0: not true. I've been in your house. And, yeah, I, and I definitely you said, said, nice said mean things.
2: things. No you didn't. No you didn't.
0: I spoke about Zeus and how lovely he was in his tie.
2: Mm.
0: Cute little doggo. <laughs> yes, dogs are good.
1: Uh, giving uh, away death threats on social media is bad.
0: Uh, next Aww. question, speaking of uh, wanting to be dead, Raiders with 12 men in the prelim says, is this the biggest gap we've seen <laughs> between the quality of the top five to seven teams and the rest? A multi on all eight favourites this week is only $3.60. Yeah, that's, so, that's, an that's an
1: interesting what do you think point. is the
0: reasoning for the gap? The rule changes bubble, dearth of talent, bad coaching, bad management, et cetera.
1: Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. I like to think back to... Um, uh, the 2018 season, if you guys remember, there was only two yeah. points between first and eighth, but there was a massive gap to the West Tigers in ninth and beyond them. I,
0: think I mean, that, is, that is their and... modus operandi, so...
1: It is, it is, but beyond that, like, you know, there was, there was eight teams that finished 15 and nine or 16 and eight, and the rest of yeah. the teams won. Uh, did, no, no other team won more than
0: half their game. So... It was the closest season in, like, Australian sporting history or something ridiculous.
1: Yeah, for the top half, and then yes, but it was yeah. very much yeah. like this year where you had the haves and the have-nots, although whereas at least with at least that you know you know what it is kind of almost exactly the same because you had South and the Sharks finishing third and fourth who you did think were just a little bit below the Roosters and the Storm in terms of quality which proved out to be correct um, and that's kind of the case this year like the top three are definitely a step above um, South Canberra and Parramatta who I think are the next tier down and then I think they're both a tier, they're, all those teams are a little bit above the Sharks and the Knights so I think. Thank you for including Parramatta in that team. tier, Matt. You're welcome, Mary. Um, as to why that is the case, I mean, it, it, you can't really use COVID or anything like that as it gives for really any team except the Warriors. I mean, and, and the fact that this did happen two years ago in what were normal circumstances means that, you know, sometimes with the way this league is set up, there's just, something, like, there's just some teams that are better than others. Um, I, 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 there's not really, I mean, man, there's a couple of teams you can sort of use the injury excuse on, particularly Manly. I mean, for teams like Brisbane and the and the Bulldogs and the Cowboys, it's coaching. The Dragons probably fall into that basket as well. Um, the Titans have done. The Titans have exceeded expectations, really, and the West Tigers are not. So it all makes sense. I it wonder is, what impact. It should be, really,
2: I wonder what impact the rule changes had on it. I'm just interested to hear yeah. your thoughts because I feel like this pattern emerged very, very early. Do you remember when the competition yeah, started, when no it was meant changes. to?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: absolutely. And, you know, we were having teams winning by 40 to 50 points. I don't yeah. know whether that's played a role in that as well.
1: Well, and the other thing is, I mean, we've been reading about how there's been fewer set restarts in the second half of close games than, the, than there were penalties back in the old system, which might play a part as well. I don't know. Um, I mean, I was told that this new format would... Open the game up and allowed Damian Cook to be the best player in the competition again. So I was lied to, um, although he has been pretty good. Um, I don't know if we can use you can really use that as an excuse either. I mean, uh, if you look at the ladder, are there any teams that... I mean, obviously, Penrith is a shock. Like, no one saw this coming, but they were good before the bubble as well. Yeah. Is there really any other team on this list that you're, like, stunned by their ladder position? I guess Brisbane and Penrith are the only ones, right?
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, also, Bri- Brisbane have had... Like, they have had – it's not necessarily all on-field stuff. They've had heaps of injuries. They have a terrible coach. There's heaps going on in the boardroom, and people don't want to be there. Like, that to me, if you put that at any club, it doesn't matter whether it's Brisbane or the Gold Coast or Melbourne or whoever, like, that to me is just a recipe for failure. And it just happens to have afflicted the Broncos this year. Like, if you take the Broncos out of it and you effectively make it like a blind study – that's like that is a that is a study in failure at a sporting club
2: not for anyone on the podcast tonight or actually in like on the podcast generally um i think people would be surprised by the cowboys a lot of people had them in their eight i certainly didn't i expected them to finish where they did but um people might be surprised by that
1: yeah, you, you might be right there, but they've really just followed the same sort of trajectory they've had in the last couple of seasons, which is everyone yeah. overrating them before a ball is kicked and then mm. not really realising that their their coaching philosophies hadn't evolved since 2016. Um, yeah,
0: and also their main man is a 35-year-old walking Zimmer frame. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, so I don't know exactly what you can put it up, but I think Jack's onto something
1: there in terms of the, the, the disparity between the teams. It's certainly... Very, very visible right now, and and I mean I haven't I haven't run my finger over every every game that's on this week, but I mean, I mean off the top of my head you'd expect Parramatta to beat I'm just going to pull it up you'd expect Parramatta to beat Brisbane by a cricket score you'd expect South to beat the Bulldogs by a cricket score you'd expect Penrith to see off the Cowboys quite comfortably although they might rest some players because you know they've got really nothing to play for you expect the Storm to smash the Tigers the Raiders should smash the Warriors. The Roosters should smash the Sharks. The only two games that are somewhat mm-hmm. interesting from the contest standpoint are the Knights and the Dragons and the Seagulls and the Titans. And there's not really any ramifications on either yeah. of those games. I mean, yeah. I guess the Knights can go from 8th to 7th. Oh, sorry, from 7th to 6th. That's about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, last one from the Patreons. Uh, M. again, with tell us a story of how you ended up supporting your team. Um, God, you can shoot first. Give us a quick yeah. one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, very, very, very quick story. So my grandfather's South man through and through. His grandfather played for South in 1909. I never really had a choice despite growing up in the Canterbury-Bankstown area. All my friends were Bulldogs fans as a kid, a few Roosters fans, a few Dragons fans. I was basically, I think, one other South kid in my class at primary school. Uh, went to my first game. It was actually the very last time South played Balmain before the merger back in 1999. Yeah. Um, South were trailing early, but came back and won. It was, it was a great day. Um, I've been hooked unfortunately for a lot of those early years ever since.
0: Mary?
2: Mine is also a very uninteresting story so when my dad and his family moved from Greece to Australia the first place they lived was Parramatta and my grandfather lived in Parramatta until he died and my dad started watching rugby league, supported the local team, was there for all those grand finals in the 80s and if you grew up in the Constantopolis household as a kid you didn't have a choice, genuinely. So, um, yes, Parramatta, born and bred. And unfortunately, I'm in the same position as Matt and have been hooked ever since I was a little kid, curled up next to my dad, wanting to spend more time with him on the weekend.
0: Uh, Mine is relatively similar. Um, Obviously, my folks are all from Canberra. We have been since before Canberra was Canberra. Uh, But the problem was that Canberra didn't have a team until the 1980s. And at that point, the closest team uh, to, to Canberra was Basically St George, and they just happen to be very good. Uh, my great-grandfather father supported uh, St George. My great-grand, my grandfather supported G- St George. My dad supports St George, and I support the Dragons as well. So it runs in the blood, and any kids that I have will be Dragon supporters unless they happen to have a soft spot for their dad's hometown. Uh, any kids
2: I have will be Parramatta supporters, that's for sure.
0: Yes, those poor poor children. I know. Uh, alrighty, over onto Twitter. Quick one. Uh, we'll quickly whip through these ones. Dave, who could have been posting this on Patreon, but never mind. Uh, with the world's largest producer of vaccines claiming we won't have enough no. corona vaccines for everyone until 2024, is it time the Australian Sorry. government started researching uh, whether the cure to COVID is crashing over jump. in the 74th minute against the bunnies with 12 minutes on the... 12 minutes it on the doesn't finish. even...
1: God, it doesn't even make sense. Oh, my God.
2: is Nick Campton about to jump out from behind the
0: window?
1: It, it doesn't... <laughs>
0: Alrighty, I mean, moving they, on. Thank you, Ken. Dave's run
1: out of actual good ways to mention last year's preliminary final. He just shoehorns them in where it doesn't even make sense. <laughs>
0: uh, alrighty, Nick Canton, friend of the pod. Name as many <laughs> of your Jake Clifford slash Aiden Caesar slash Isaiah Papali'i guys as possible.
1: Yeah, so what he's referring to here is guys that are extremely talented, but that for some reason don't really put it all together. We've all
0: had guys like that on our teams. Obviously, the So, like, six, is, best is six one. men, really, kind of thing. So what was that, mate? Best like six men kind of thing.
1: No, more like more like guys that you just never really got to the heights that you expected for them That's with it. their talent. So obviously Dave Taylor is number one. Yeah. Aaron, uh, as a, I'm just going to run through a couple of South players that fit that bill as well. Obviously On Craig is another Ben Rogers. If you remember him, he was another guy that had huge, huge, huge wraps on him as a, as a as a sort of a playmaking five eight slash lock type player. He never really figured it out either, which was disappointing. Um, those are a few off the top of my head, and um, I'm, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure you guys have had guys like those in your club as well. I think Mateo, as good as he was, could yes. have been better. Yeah, Tio, mm-hmm. a good one. Um, Tim
0: I Smith. I think it's
1: unfair to I think it's unfair to put Tim Smith in that bracket just because he did have that one year where he was literally the best halfback mm. in the comp. Mm. Where he didn't have the long, long, long sort of the long career, but he, he did have that one sustained year where he was absolutely fantastic.
2: What about players that are great but don't put it together at your club? So, like, for Parramatta, any halfback that we've bought in the last, (laughs) I don't know, 20 years, Kieran Foran, um, you know, Chris Sandow... um,
0: Jason Taylor? Well, die. Chris Sandoz
1: probably fits into this question anyway. As we know, Chris Sandoz played the most first-grade games without playing in a finals game or yeah. the most games as a half-back. I'm not sure. But either way, he's another guy that on his day mm. was just an unbelievable joy to watch, but just had too many off moments. He probably fits, he fits very nicely into this bracket as well. I mean, there, that's, that's a good great one. Shout. Duff. Corey Norman. Yeah. Oh. One. Again, 200 games, but yet, you know, you, you just
0: still can't help but feel like he could have done so much more. Uh, alrighty, one from uh, one from Hugh Batman. Uh, question for Bungard: After seeing Mark Andrews celebrate his second touchdown of the day by giving Lamar Jackson a big old hug on the sidelines, is the Jackson slash Andrews a better is Jackson slash Andrews a better quarterback tight end combo than Flacco and Pitta both on and off the field?
1: Yeah, I mean, i, I love Joe Flacco forever for what he did in two thousand and twelve, thirteen, but Lamar Jackson's the best quarterback that has ever played for the Ravens, and it's not remotely close. Um, Obviously, Mark Andrews hasn't had the longitude of success that Dennis Pitter had yet, but Pitter was injured all the time, man. That guy just couldn't stay healthy. Whereas Andrews so far has been absolutely fantastic in his first two and a bit seasons in the league. So I'm going to have to go with the Jackson Andrews combination there.
0: Uh, did the Did the Baltimore Sun celebrate uh, Pitter's Pitter's wife giving birth with the headline "Pitter Bread"? I hope so. Hmm. So do I. Uh, moving on to Sean over on Twitter. Do you think we'll see a positional uh, positional evolution specific to female teams? women's teams. If so, what? Fullbacks now, ball playing, etc. Cetera, et cetera. I, I think the biggest thing that we might see is like having a designated, whether it's a centre or fullback, or even, I mean, maybe not, but a lock, but like somebody who has a massive boot who can get your team out of their own end if they get stuck in the defensive half yeah. as opposed to think, having mm-hmm. two halves who can kick the ball like 30 metres 40 metres. I think that'd having be great yeah, just yeah, mate. I mean,
1: it's, it's the most noticeable difference between the men's and women's games is, is yeah. the kicking games for the most part. I think you've nailed that.
0: I mean, it's, I it's, similar, to, it's similar to like women's golf, really. Like yeah. women's golf, like a lot of the players have really great short games. Like they can chip and putt really well, but they can't. It's one of those things like golf is always, it's, what do they say? It's drive for, drive for show and putt for dough. Like yeah. women's, women's uh, rugby league kickers tend to be really good and crafty in and around like the, the red zone whereas the long kicking obviously will take time to improve. And obviously there's biometrics in that, um, or well, physiology as well. Um, but yeah, I would that, that would be the thing that I would probably like to see the most, just have one player with a massive boot who can just kick the shit out of the ball.
2: I think that's a good shout, Dale. And I think it's one of the things that most improved in the second season of the NRLW, the long kicking game. And I'm excited to see how that sort of evolves this year and in the years ahead.
0: Good point. Uh, All right. We go down to Ori Lemaire, we say, idea about the 2020 NRL women's and men's grand finals. Instead of a double header at ANZ ANZ, where the women's gets overshadowed, why not replicate last year's successful origin schedule where the women play on the Friday night, sold out crowd and one million plus on TV, and the men play on Sunday as usual? Uh, yep. make, the, make the weekend a Wash of the Rugby League. Turn it into a weekend celebration. Give the women their own and equal platform to really showcase the game. Have the women's final at Suncorp or Bankwest. No doubt it will sell out.
1: Yeah, I love that. I I, I, to, I said this last year and, you know, it's one thing to have lower grades or, junior, or turn a cup when it was still a thing on before the NRL grand final. But I do think it is a little bit... Um, it, it It doesn't sit all that well with me that the women's sort of the women's oh, like NRL is played as a curtain raiser. I mean, yeah, it, it would be it. outrageous in the A-League if the W League Grand Final was played as a curtain raiser to the A-League Grand Final. Yes. And, I, and, I mean, we saw it with State of Origin last year, at, didn't we? There's an appetite for women's rugby league. It's there. And um, and it would absolutely sell out a place like Suncorp, especially if the Broncos were playing. Um, yeah. yeah what so, a, I, I, sorry, go on.
2: No, I was going to say what I love the most about that idea, and I'm not sure... I can't remember what life was like pre-COVID, what happened during that week and whether the Friday night would work. I'm sure it would. What I love the most about that idea is that there are people that love the women's game that probably wouldn't fork out for grand final tickets. I definitely wouldn't if my team
0: wasn't playing. Yeah, Yeah. but would
2: be more than willing to fork out, you know, I don't know how much they would charge, but
0: willing to fork out. That's a a great point. That's a really good point. A smaller
2: amount for the women's
1: grand final. 100% hundred percent. And the other thing is, like, I know people talk about back in the day when it was all three grades on Grand Final day and blah, blah blah blah. But fucking hell, it's like they they play in front of a basically empty stadium because it was the first it was the first of three games last year and it was six hours before the NRL Grand Final.
0: Also, it's in October and it's at three o'clock in the afternoon in the blazing hot of the middle of the day. Like, if yeah. you play it on a Friday night, you can have yeah. so you could have your Friday night. You have your your women's game. You have your coverage on nine or, or yeah. KO or Fox or whatever it's on. Yeah. You have your, your under the lights. It's the first time that they play at night all year. Perfect conditions, especially this year, because it's in the middle of October or late October. And then on Saturday, you have, your, you have your whatever, normally you would have your footy show or whatever back in the day. Now you could have like your grand final dinner, for example. So the teams yeah. get together, it gets broadcast live. You have a roast of the coaches, happy days. Yeah. You know, we move on, and then Sunday morning, you start your yeah. coverage. You can have your reserve grade or your, your 20s. Then you have your interstate challenge, which obviously won't happen this year. Uh, right. And then you have a grand final at 7 o'clock. And yeah, then we get I, this in the I, evening, and then it's Monday the next day.
1: I mean, maybe this year, especially with no lower grades, I think they probably do have to have the women's game on before yeah, the bank because there isn't any other games they can put there. But yeah. going forward, I think, you know, sold out Friday yeah. night at North Sydney Oval or Bank West.
0: Why not? Bankwest would, not? Bankwest yeah. would be awesome. And as you I know, prefer, theory, you I prefer North the, Sydney. I prefer North I Sydney. I think,
2: so I'll say, I just want to, sorry, Matt, I'm just going to correct you on one thing just because yeah. I want to be precise. Um, the women's game was actually held just before the men's grand final last year. The first year it was held first. It was a first completely game. I yeah. completely agree with your points on the three grades. And that's one of the arguments that I hate with State of Origin. Like there are some people that think the women's game should be before the men's. No one goes to watch that game, and the women yeah. do deserve better than that. Yeah, and Matt, okay. I do love North Sydney Oval. I think it's incredible. But after Women's State of Origin last year, I just wonder whether we've outgrown it because yeah. it was absolutely heaving. Like people, I think, ended up going to the pub to go to the toilet. I think they ran out of food. But atmosphere-wise, yeah, North Sydney Oval is is where it's at. But I wonder if you know Bankwest Stadium and feeling that is the next. Yeah. Goal, you know
0: It's it's much yeah. it's much more accessible and like North I know that North Sydney Oval is accessible via uh, via it's North North Sydney or Milsons Point Station you get off at North Sydney you uh, get off at North yeah. Sydney and walk but yeah you get off at yeah, North Sydney you, you, but you like, guys might be right but I have such yeah, a good it's, time watching it's last awful year for public transport again. yeah it's a magical and,
2: place to watch footy and, really and Van like, yes. is
0: there it's brand new we don't need to watch women's rugby at a, at a two hundred year old stadium uh what if we did. <sighs> Uh, who do you think will win the NRLW Championship this year, or Premiership? How do you think? How has COVID yep. impacted the teams? Will the okay. Broncos make it so, a full
1: Yeah, so COVID has definitely impacted the women's game a lot more than it impacted the men's game um, for a few reasons. I mean, the, primarily was, is that some women just aren't going to play because they mm-hmm. can't go into a bubble for several weeks and still work yeah. at their jobs. So that's obviously a huge problem. I don't know how you fix that. We already know that Chelsea Baker, one of Brisbane's stars, she's not playing, so she's not going into the bubble at all um none of the signings have been announced for any of the teams yet so basically what's happened is um they're all going to get screened for covid and then signings have to be finalized and stuff now some clubs i know are doing going to do they're going to announce their whole squad in one fell swoop and others are going to sort of trickle out the signings as they get concerned but the reality is that none of them have had screenings completed for the players yet and there's still a lot to be confirmed about all of the squads. Uh, most notably Brisbane, who at this stage don't even have a full squad, which is crazy.
0: In An yeah, answer, so... answer to the question,
1: can they three pick? The answer still might be yes, because they've got Ali Briginshaw and she's the best, but
0: um,
1: they literally don't have a full squad right now. Uh, Amber Pilly's not playing. Uh, she's, she's got a knee issues. Chelsea Baker has not going into the bubble. Someone else is having a baby, Mary. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. Um... Yeah, and um and and um Heather Ballinger retired. So, um they've lost a lot of players from last year and but again, Ella just still there, so who knows? But I can't really pick who I think is gonna win. I mean, obviously there's been a huge I mean it's it's all but concerned that Charlotte Catsock will be playing for the Roosters this year, which is mm-hmm. obviously incredibly cool. Um we'll love to watch that. If anyone doesn't know shea she was a rugby Seven standout for the for the women's rugby union team. Um That'll be cool to watch. And obviously, there's always a few players that change swap around teams at the last minute. And I'll, I'll be watching with a lot of intrigue. I mean, I obviously, I watched every second of the competition last, last year and I loved it. And, um, but yes, to answer the original question, the, the coronavirus has definitely affected the women's competition far more than it affected the men's competition. But I can't really tell you who I think it's going to win until all these team lists are finalised, to be quite honest.
0: You Mary, you, you, wrote a bit, you wrote a bit this week about, about the bubble. How, how, is yeah. that, how are players dealing with that?
2: So the details of the bubble haven't been confirmed yet, and I will agree with Matt in that it's really hard to sort of give any predictions because none of the squads have been announced. The Warriors have announced a couple of players, and I'll touch on the Warriors in a little while. But what I want to say is that I really want to commend the NRL on the care that they have taken around the women's game this year. And the way the bubble is working, as I understand it, is that there is a real understanding that players will need to work So I think, and also potentially look after their families too. So I think the bubble is going to be a little bit looser than it is for the men. Um, Mm. But I want everyone to really spare a thought for the Warriors because we've all been extremely impressed with what the men's team has done. But the reality is for the women that have come across from New Zealand to compete in this competition, and there are a couple of them, there are four at this stage, they've had to already come to Sydney. They're currently doing a two-week quarantine They'll have to do a two-week quarantine when they get back to New Zealand or to play in a four-week, maybe five-week competition. And mm. they're not like the men's players. This is not their professional career. Do you know what I mean? They've all got yeah. jobs. They've all got family. So it is a tremendous sacrifice. But the NRL, um, well, I don't know that it's the NRL, but Brad Donald, who is the current Australian Jilla coach, will be coaching the Warriors this year. And I just think that that's such a wonderful touch in that he is someone that has a deep understanding of the women's game and will deeply understand the issues that some of these players are going through. So I love that. And there's also been some other coaching changes. Jamie Feeney will be looking after the Roosters this year, which is great. Holly Wheeler has um, had a, a serious ACL injury, so won't be playing for the St. George of Laura Dragons, but will we'll be part of that coaching staff. It's likely that we'll see Sammy Bremner return to the Dragons and Bovet Welsh. I'm not sure where she's going to end up. So it's all up in the air. Can we answer this question? Maybe when the squads are announced again. Yeah,
1: that yeah, is a, a fair right point. Um, yeah, it is really hard just with just with all that stuff. But um, yeah, I think you've nailed it there, Mary. There's a lot of there's a lot of, there's always reasons to watch, but it's going to be a predict I this year.
2: Yeah, so get behind it, everyone.
0: Uh, only a few more questions from the uh, from the Twitter fam. Uh, what is the best uh, be Sharks? What is the best thing about women in league round? Other than having Mary on the show. Mary? I
2: think my favourite thing about women in league round is that I think we are almost getting to a point where we don't need it anymore because the role of women is just so entrenched in our game now. But I think one of the things that I really love the most about women in league Ground is that we celebrate women across the game, but there's also been a real focus, particularly with the Australian Gillaroos, in celebrating the women that came before them. So women like Tasha Gale, women like Karen Murphy... Women like Katrina Fanning, like I didn't know who those women were growing up, but they have been celebrated and recognised as pioneers of the women's game, and and I love that they are now recognised in the same way that some of our former great players are recognised.
0: I think that's a good point. It's the same thing that the Matildas have been doing recently, mm. um, like pushing the story of players who who played before them, um, especially the '79ers. Uh, the the women who played in the first official Matildas um, game but even even earlier than that like there have been there's been women's sport in this country back into the 1900s and I mean it's it's great that we're kind of really starting to acknowledge and starting to celebrate those pioneers because like that's really what they were like for for so long women's sport was either banned or completely frowned upon in society and women who played sport were seen as you know, not worthy of, of of being considered women. Like that's that's where they were at. And and now as you say, for the NRL and for rugby league more generally, both both here and overseas, to be celebrating those pioneers and to be recognizing those pioneers, I think is a massive step forward and it's something that I really enjoy as well.
2: And like Ali Briggenshaw has gone on record saying that she never thought that the game would get to this point. So imagine what it was like for those women playing in the first Jillaroo squad. And like I've spoken to those women. And apparently leading into their first international game, they had two television appearances, both which went horribly, horribly wrong because the women's game was not treated with the respect that it deserved. Like from memory, the question that they got asked was, oh, so when you're playing rugby league, how do you tape your boobs together? Like the fact that we have come so far from that, um, I think is really important. But the fact that the contribution that that, those women made is also now being recognised, I think is really special.
0: Agreed. Uh, mm. RCB Sharks did touch on one of the questions that we asked previously regarding uh, where we can see the improvements in the women's game, but that kind of feeds into the question regarding, uh, regarding evolution of the of the competition.
2: I think also we'll see improvement when the women's game is fully professional and when women are being paid yeah. essentially to look after their craft. It's, mm. no, you know, it's no surprise that the Australian women's cricket team has developed into the dominant force that it is. Because the women now play cricket for a living, that is their job, that is their focus, and we've seen yep. the game come in leaps and bounds. So and it's the same, I think that's it's the same also thing in, another opportunity.
0: Yeah, it's a good that's a good point. And it's the same thing in football. Like women, like we all ask, oh, why is the US women's national team so so successful? In when it comes to soccer, it's like, well, they're treated from professionals by the from the point they're eighteen until the point they're actually adults. Mm. So, like, or, or out of college. So, I guess that's one one point um but as you say like the the sooner that they are able to not necessarily just be just be professional but you know it, be able to play and not have to work three jobs to look after themselves and their yeah. family uh i think uh that's almost there's only two more questions here really uh uh GC panther aaron tallett says should rts win dalliam captain of the year yes or no
1: um, I mean, I don't really know what the criteria for winning that award is, but given all the hardship the Warriors have gone through and sort of how well they've handled it, sure, why not?
0: I feel
2: like the Warriors are being touted for a lot of the M awards, and I think that there has to be an opportunity to recognise the sacrifice. Um, I think Captain
1: of the Year is fine. I don't think Top Eight has done a good job, but I'm sorry, Ivan Cleary's lost one game. He's coaching mm, them.
2: Yeah, that's point. fair enough.
0: Uh, Jason NRL says M should go in the bin if he doesn't. Uh, last one. Da, 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 da. <laughs> last one, uh, and we'll end on a lighter note with uh, with Butsy Triple Who do you think? Who do you want kicking on the second tackle down two with three minutes to go? Benji or Ben Hunt?
1: Benji, because that play last week might have worked if Chris Lawrence was twenty five and had working hips, not
0: thirty five, and had no working bones. Well, yes. Mary, what's been your worst kick of the year?
1: Oh, gosh. Well,
2: worst kick
0: a, of the year. There's a second half of that question, isn't there, Ah, uh, There is. Can you give us your top, top three, drop it like a chance for the year?
1: Pimps in the crib, ma. Drop it like it's a Drop it like it's a Drop it like it's a I think we should all try and do one each. Uh, so I, if, if you don't mind, I've got mine. So I, I, <laughs> Shoot. Um, Go for it. Mine has to be um, old mate, sooner from, from the Sea Eagles passing it straight to Latrell Mitchell.
0: That's that's a slam dunk number one for me. I mean, that is that is right up there. That is That is a very good one. You're right. I
2: try, to, I try to wipe them all from my memory, but my father is absolutely scarred by the efforts of Kane Evans this year.
0: Oh, and when Kane gets out. the
2: ball, when Kane gets the ball, my dad counts the throw. The first thing is catch what? the ball. The second thing is play the ball correctly. Oh, no, sorry. The second thing is don't offload. And the third thing is play the ball correctly.
1: That's not a moment.
0: I mean, it's several moments.
1: Kane Evans. <laughs>
2: Why not? He dropped the ball last week and my dad had a heart attack.
0: Oh, that's terrible. Uh, um, mine would be James Tedesco trying to tackle Mike Sebo.
1: That's a great oh, answer. Yeah. I'm going to take Mary's one off her because it was awful. And I'm going to say um, uh, the Bulldogs against the Dragons, uh, that pass. The whole, the whole game? Well, No, the pass slash knock-on, which led to oh. Corey Norman's game-winning try. Yeah, and, oh, and Corey
0: Norman, I mean, that would have been, if we did have like a how good... Uh, Corey Norman celebrating in like sitting on the seats, you know that was that was the how good for that week. But uh, I think I think that uh, I think that will do us for this week. Thank you so much, Mary, for coming on. It's it's always a blessing having you on. Thanks um, for having
2: and, me. I had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, we yeah. always do when you're on. And uh, enjoy your round because it really yeah, is your round. It's just for you and no other ladies. It's <laughs> no ladies. Only <laughs> your round. The only lady who leagues. Uh, it's uh, for it's all women of women us. Not given in league rounds. <laughs> Alrighty. Say, say goodbye, Mary. Goodbye, everyone. Say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me.